Hey, what's up, guys? It's Alice Contreras alongside Red Garcia. Welcome to the very first episode of Marlins Barbecue. How are you doing, guys? Happy to be here. Welcome to the first episode. Um, to break things down for you, this is a little different than what you're used to on this channel. Um, the idea behind Marlins Barbecue is basically a more casual approach to the game and to the podcast, just back and forth uh, conversation about the daily stuff in Marlins life. And uh, just basically between two fans, exactly how you would talk if you were at a barbecue. And with that, we're going to start where the season starts, and that's with the rule changes. So talk to me, brother. What do you think about the rule changes? What's your favorite rule? What's your least favorite rule? What do you think? Well, man, um, it's real interesting. I was looking over the presented idea or the, the new rules for this 2020 COVID season. And uh, right. really, they implemented the designated hitter which is something that inevitably was going to happen in the sport. Um, a lot of National League fans are bummed out, myself included. You know, um, Personally, I took a lot of joy in seeing pitchers go up there and take hacks. Yeah, sure, a lot of times there were guys like Wei Yang Cheng who wouldn't even swing the bat or who couldn't even hit water if they fell out of a boat. Right, but then you would hit gems like uh, Jose Fernandez or Pablo Lopez or Josh Johnson hitting home runs or doubles to win the game. I mean, it made it that much sweeter. Fernandez, left field, that's deep, that is gone! You gotta oh, be kidding man. me! Welcome back, Jose Fernandez, a solo shot. You bet he wanted to hit. Oh, yeah. You've got to be kidding me. Right. I mean, Chen didn't really pitch much either, but uh, I guess I get what you're saying. I'm more of the new school approach, I think. Um, I like the rule change, actually, about the universal DH. Um, I'm all for it. Give these guys more. Let's get more hitters up there, more runs. That's what the fans want to see. Um, it's worked in the American League, man, and it creates more jobs. I think it's another huge thing. I think that's why the National League tried staying away from it. You know, you got you to gotta pay another hitter there. But I'm for it, man. I like the rule. Um, I can't really think of a least favorite rule for me. Um, I know a lot of people are against the uh, extra inning rule. I don't know if you heard about that. The, the runner on second base. Game. Yeah, that's, that's a really confusing rule. Like, you really got to look at, into the rules. And basically what it tells you is who starts off on second base, right? When, when we're in extra innings, let's say it's the 10th inning. Right. And you know, the, it's, it's the last out. That's correct. Let's say the number four batter starts off the inning. Then the number three batter or the number three hitter in the lineup has to go to second base. The only exception to this, uh, to this rule, which I thought was a little bit interesting was if let's say the pitcher was the last out, the pitcher doesn't have to start off in extra innings on second base, which helps out ball clubs to, to score more runs. Uh, it was pretty interesting in the sense that, yeah, it does help clubs score more runs. But at the same time, I feel like it takes away a little bit from the integrity of the game, right? Like, you, you, I enjoy extra innings. I, I love free baseball, man. I can sit there for 10 innings or 15 or 20. I'm all for it as long as the Marlins winning. They lose, man. I'm going to walk out of right. that heated. But, but, I mean, you, you, you get a good deal out of it. You see two games for the price of one. But at the same time, I mean – it's interesting. I see what MLB is trying to do. They're trying to implement more runs, more excitement, so the games end a lot quicker. Uh, it's something similar that I saw in the, the Pan American games. I went to Lima, Peru, and I, and I saw them implement this rule in the Pan American games. And in extra innings, you would see teams lead off with a runner on second base, and that would help Cinderella teams beat 
monster teams like the Dominican Republic, uh, Mexico, for example, and Argentina would win over a, a DR or a Panama. So right. Uh, Let me ask you. You don't think you don't think I mean, besides the obvious, basically, if when in your experience watching this, if the away team basically doesn't score a run, you could pretty much put a wrap on it. I mean, the home team with the go ahead run at second base to start the inning and no outs. I mean, that's there has to have been an advantage, right? I mean, did more home teams win than away teams when you were over there? Absolutely. I mean, that walk off. I mean, there's nothing like that walk off feeling when you're you're the home team. Right. Um, well, wow. I'm poor while I'm sitting at Marlins Park, you know, if you want to do that, sure. But when we're the away team. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a double. Yeah, it's a double sided sword. It's a double sided sword because you're not always going to have your closure available for all the extra innings. There's going to be a point where right, you're going to have I mean, to count on a lot of relief. Uh, does this start in the 10th or is this in the 13th? No, they start this. I believe it starts in the 10th inning. As soon as extra innings implement, that's when it starts. Right. So now are you going to save your, your closer for if you're the away team, let's say, are you going to you're basically going to save your closer for that situation? Either you save him for that or he's pitching a couple innings for me. So listen, guy, I need you to go out there and get five outs for me, my dude. <laughs> I think that changes bullpen. I think that changes how you view the guys in the bullpen. You know, maybe now a Sterling Sharp has more value than, you know, just a guy that could give you that one inning. Absolutely. The more the more pitching you have, the merrier. If we have one, yeah, two, maybe three set of guys. Are, if this rule stays, I know it's only for this season, but if they end up in, you know, enforcing this from now on, I think we're going to see less and less of the, you know, the one inning specialist. Uh, those lefty guys are pretty much done already with the three batter minimum rule. So mm -hmm. I, I think those, I think we're going to see a switch in baseball where it becomes, you know, hey, you better be able, be able to go out there and throw me two innings, three innings. Like it's not, I, I, I don't know, I don't know if I like that. Yeah, and I don't know if, like, yeah, it's exciting, as you mentioned, to win the game on a walk-off, but it kind of takes a little bit away from the fans to to be able to luck out and say, hey, man, I was able to watch 14 innings. You know, what are the odds that the game extends to extra innings, longer innings, after you get past the 10th inning? I mean, odds are once you get to the 10th, the game's going to be pretty much over with that runner on second base. These are major league baseball players. They got to deliver in the clutch. Right. You're not going to go more than two, three innings like that. There's... I mean, I'm not comparing it, but even in, you know, well, that's the rule that we have in co-ed softball. I don't think it has a place in Major League Baseball. Um, I want to see these. I want to see the best of the best go out there and perform. You know, I don't want to see the last out on second. You know, and now you're bloop single away from winning again. Yeah, you're going to test it out, see how it, how it runs, how it goes. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of things in, in circulation this year, especially this short season. Yeah. Um, another this one of these issues. This season is going to be a what? A mess. <laughs> it's going to be an experimental season. <laughs> hey, man, but Don Mattingly said it today uh, as the players reported that it's going to be a sprint right out of the gate. And this is going to make the playoff push feel like it's like we're here. We're ready to go. The Marlins are ready to make a playoff push. We're, we're accelerating the chart. You know, a lot of fans are thinking maybe, you know, we have a 500 season, right? And a 500 season is cool for these up-and-coming cats, but, I mean, I think it's time for these young guys to really put the pedal to the metal and gas it, man, all right? Because in 2003, when we had all these young guys, we had a couple veterans here and there. They helped us, all right? But they were the, the fish that shocked the world, the fighting fish. And looking at these, this team, 
especially this past year, I've seen that all these guys, they might not be the most talented guys in the world, okay? But they put 100% effort. They got that winning mentality. And that's what this administration's done, man. And you got to be very excited as a fan. Short season, 60 games. I know 60 games, it sounds ludicrous. We've never heard of a 60-game season. But hey, man, let's take it for what it is. We're part of history. Hey, remember COVID? Yeah, it was a 60-game MLB season. The Marlins were the COVID champions. Like Michael Hill said, why not us, right? I mean, you look at, I mean, what's crazy is look at the Nationals last year. If this same 60-game season would have happened, the Nationals would have never made the playoffs. Yep. They were, after 60 games, they were, I believe they were a bunch of games under 500. Everyone was saying blow it up. You know, they didn't know what they were going to do at the trade deadline last year. And look, they went on, they got hot, and they won. But like you said, man, it's a sprint. But one, you start the season 2-11 and 11 or 2-14, and 14, and, I mean, you're, you're a losing streak away from being out of it. And speaking of all the young guys, I guess we should just go into the next segment here. The Marlins on Sunday also announced the 2020 roster. Now, I have, I, I have a surprise here that I didn't – something on the roster just – I didn't like it, and I'll tell you about it now. But do you have anybody that surprised you to be on the roster? Anybody that surprised me to be on the roster, man. I mean, there's 60 players on this list. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talent. Um, I'm gonna let you take. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I want to hear you out first. Let's let, let the audience hear you out first, Red. Let's see what you got. You know, I wish I could quote what you just said, where you said, "Man, it's a 60-man roster." That's where I'm going with this. My biggest surprise, and I'm gonna say it's more of a disappointment, is Victor Victor Mesa not being on the roster. Now, hear me out. I know there's fans out there who are listening saying, "Yeah, but he doesn't deserve it." That's fantastic. I'm not saying he does. I personally saw games in Jupiter where he's not major league ready, you know, but two years ago, you paid this guy $5 million, I believe it was, to join your organization, to come out here. He was two years away from baseball prior to playing last season. I get it. But now your prize pickup so far as a free agent or whatever, or international player, your prize pickup isn't going to make a 60-man roster, not even as number 59 or 60, but yet, you know, you're going to take five catches or whatever it is, and one of those catchers hit under 200 last year, and Mesa is going to miss another year of baseball? I, I don't know, man. That's, that has to show something with the faith in him. There's something there that maybe we don't know. I know he's been working hard. He changes his approach. He changes batting stance. But I don't know, man. What do you think? I, I don't like that. I don't. I wish he'd be around the club. I think that's what he means, not another year off. What do you think? Well, man, the buzz surrounding Victor, Victor Mesa before he came to Miami was huge. And I, I share a little bit of that, that sentiment that you're bummed out that he got left off the 60-man roster. But, you know, thinking about the Marlins' perspective, you know, this guy's been with our organization for a little bit now, and he's, he's been able to develop. Yeah, you're right. He had a couple of years where he didn't play baseball. He's going to go another year without playing baseball, and it's going to hurt him in the long run. Um, but – when we did sign Victor Victor Mesa, the Marlins also were able to package in his younger brother, Victor Mesa Jr., who seems to be right. getting a lot more rep, a lot more uh, hype around him and his work ethic and the way he's going to be able to bounce through the organization. That being said, he's also not one of the players involved in the 60-player pool. And the Marlins have to make some of these tough calls, man. Uh, eventually, they're going to have to make a tough call um, and, and downsize the roster. Yeah, we have 60 players on this pool right now. 
and they're eventually going to have a taxi squad. And that taxi squad is basically like three players that they're going to be able to have with them of the allowed uh, players on the roster at the time. The roster is going to start off at 30. They're going to go down to 28 and then they'll go down to 26. Basically, whenever they're at 26 or 28 or 30, the Marlins are going to be able, not only the Marlins, every major league baseball team is going to be able to have three other players, whether it's position or pitching, to have them there as a, as a safety, as an emergency, just in case something happens to somebody getting hurt. He couldn't beat out any, any of these 60 guys? You're going to tell me he's... Well, I mean, if you, look at the, if you look at the roster, the Marlins have 10 outfielders. Out of those 10 outfielders, we have J.J. Blade, Lewis Brinson, Gary Cooper, Corey Dickerson, Gerard Canarcion, Monte Harrison, Matt Joyce, Harold Ramirez, Jesus Sanchez, and Magnar Yacera. Out of those guys there, the only ones that I can really see that maybe you take out uh, uh, Lewis Brinson, you know, uh, maybe you take out Magnaria Syria and you give an opportunity to uh, Victor. But why would you do that when you're trying to hope for uh, Lewis Brinson to strike gold and hit fire and all of a sudden he's hot and he's caught somebody's attention? You know, we can flip him for something, you know? Um, I know the same thing yeah. could be said for uh, Matt Joyce. You know, we recently acquired him, but this is a veteran that has potential to help any other team in a playoff push. And these are guys that we can uh, exposition, we could show off during the season and hopefully get somebody's attention and be like, hey, you want it? Well, man, come on, offer me something. And as much right, as Victor, yeah. Victor, Victor, as much as I'm disappointed and you're disappointed that Victor Victor's not going to be on the Major League Ball Club, Nobody's going to trade for a Victor, uh, Victor, Victor Mesa right now because his stock is not where it should be. And there's no way for us to make his stock go up. Right, but even in a 60-game season, I can't expect, and we'll touch on this in a little bit, but I can't expect anybody, you know, trying to trade for anybody this year with or getting anything in return of value. I mean, you get you the trade deadline's what, August 1st, I believe? August 31st. This year got moved to August 31st. 31st. August 31st. So you're going to trade for what? You're going to give up prospects to have a player for 10 games, 15 games, whatever it is left, 20 yeah. games. I don't Something know. that happened to the Red Sox. Right. It's weird. I mean, look at the situation now with the Dodgers that with Mookie, with uh, Betts, that they're going to have him for 60 games and hopefully they resign him or whatever. But what the point I'm trying to make is I'd rather have seen Victor, Victor Mesa on the 60 man, not necessarily starting. I don't, I don't, I can't imagine a situation where he's where he would have been, you know, in the big with the big club at all. And maybe this year, maybe not even next year. But I can't imagine that situation. What I'm saying is, I much rather have seen him at least working on stuff, being around the club, rather than maybe Sierra. Because is Sierra? I mean, with all these offfields you just said, is what value can you get? I mean, yeah, sure, it's cool to see a Matt Joyce. We're gonna try to make a run this year. I get it. Why not us? But does that benefit us if we can't even if we trade Matt Joyce for what? I mean, you get me. What are we going to get in return? That's like okay, I understand. That's just I see my the, thing. I, I feel you. I understand where you're coming from. The 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 type of trades that I do see happening, like the very few trades that I do see happening this year in Major League Baseball, I see straight up one for one players. You know, maybe t- type guys that need a change right. of scenery. Uh, we touched on Lewis Brinson. Maybe an Adam Conley needs a change of scenery. You know, these are guys that that, hey, you call somebody like uh, Minnesota, hey, are you interested? Hey, what do you got? You know, 
you don't know what a Minnesota has got to offer. Maybe they got a guy who was going to be a stud, but he just hasn't had the opportunity to make all the tools click, similar to Lewis Brinson. Hey, you want to trade my guy for your guy? Let's make it happen. Let's make a deal. I can see something like that happen, but having like a major blockbuster trade that's going to change a whole franchise, it's really tough for me to see it. Maybe the Mets blow it. (laughs) Maybe the Mets start trading and – that's the only team. I, I mean, I just don't see a situation where you're going to get a crazy, you know, oh, top 10 prospect, not even top 30, because who are you giving up? Who are you acquiring that's going to help you for a month? I mean, hey, and, uh, you got to really go into depth, but who knows what, what, what players can be traded if they can be traded, if they're not on the 60-man pool. So what, are you going to be able to trade guys that aren't on the 60-man pool? Like maybe maybe some other team left a guy like a Victor Victor Meso off their sixty man pool and they're just sitting there and he's sitting at sixty one and he could have been that guy that could have been number sixty, but he got left at sixty one. You know, this is where Mike Hill has to come into play and he has to do his research and see if we can pull some strings and snatch some guy from somebody else. Right. I mean I I can see it. I, I, let's see. Where do you see the team's record this year, man? You know what, man? Um, I'm an optimist guy, man, and I really do. I really hope that the Marlins finish above 500. I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb here. I'm going to say they're going to finish two games, two games over 500. Okay, we're in the same ballpark. I have them around 28 and 32. Um, we're four game swing, you know, away from each other. Um, yeah. Why not, man? Why not? Right, right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, our 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 schedule is brutal. Um, we play the NL East and AL East. Um, I do, and I've been vocal about this on Twitter, and I've said it a million times. I think we could steal games from the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox are going to disappoint a lot of people. And right now, I'd rather be the Marlins than the Red Sox. I was called crazy, but look at that starting rotation in Boston, brother. It's it's, a it's trash, and and right. you know right. what? It's I rather it's trash, and I rather be the Marlins too, man. Because if you look at the, the the Red Sox with all the rich history they have and everything, and yeah, they have an amazing ballpark at Fenway and all that. But let's not let's not forget, all right? Let's not let the Astros take away all the attention here because the Boston Red Sox were also involved in a cheating scandal. So all right. that glorious. You know, the way that you would look at the Red Sox, you know, there used to be a point in my childhood that it used to be that, that, that famous rivalry that still exists between the Yankees and the Red Sox, right? There used to be a point where you'd be like, all right, yeah, you, you, who are you rooting for? Are you rooting for the Yankees? Are you rooting for the Red Sox? And the evil empire would always win. And I would remember seeing Pedro Martinez and Manny and Poppy take on them, and you would root for the Sox, and they finally got over the hump. And that was beautiful and all, right? But I think it's kind of different now that it's like, damn, now you hear these guys are cheaters? It's like, damn, for what? Why are you guys cheating, dude? Like, it's so crazy. Yeah, they had a, and they had a stacked team. But I think you look at that rotation, um, I believe Craig Mish was saying it, that you could, li- you could easily win this thing with one, two, three starting pitchers that are legit. And I think that's the benefit the, the Nationals have. And But the Red Sox, I mean, you can't get past – number one without health issues so i mean i think the martins are going to steal some games from surprising teams that people aren't expecting um so i have them at 28 and 32 i have the team mvp as cooper 
this year. Um, I hope and pray he has a full healthy season. Um, a lot of people like to tell him, like like to say that he's injury prone. I don't believe that personally. If you look at his injuries, they're kind of like weird freak injuries. They're not, you know, he's not tearing ligaments, running the first, you know, or pulling a hammy. So I think Cooper, he's going to be able to DH some games, play first base, maybe right field, just stay healthy, man. And I have him as the MVP. And before I throw it back to you, I have the team rookie of the year as Jazz Chisholm. I think it's his job. Um, eventually, it's going to be his full-time job as short. Nothing against Miggy Rowe. Please don't block me on Twitter. <laughs> but I think it's time to move past that. Um, I actually have Miggy Rowe as a good trade candidate come August. Um, not a big name, but he could definitely help a team. It's just time to – we need to take that next step. Like you said, we need to take – we didn't know what we got with Jazz. Um, we traded a major league ready pitcher for him. So I want to see him out there, you know, maybe 40 games of this season. What do you hindrance to a pitcher so i think they went with an acrylic on there for him get that thing fixed out to deep right field at the wall and it's gone chisholm the home run on a lefty lefty matchup and the marlins cut the lead at three to two well jazz continues to impress another great swing we can think who's your mvp and who's your team rookie of the year wow my mvp i'm gonna go out on a limb here I wanted to say I wanted to go out on a limb and say Jonathan Villar. I wanted to say Jonathan Villar is going to be the team MVP, but something in me right. really says that Brian Anderson is going to take this year by storm. He's going to come in here, and he was shortchanged last year because he got hurt, um, that injury towards the end of the season, um, took away some some playing time from him. He was on the pace for some pretty good numbers, man. He was on the verge to I think he was going to make it to like 100 RBIs at the rate he was at. Um, so right. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Andy for sure. Andy, my team MVP. He's the guy that's been here for a long time. He already knows the, the Marlin way, the Fighting Fish way, and this guy is ready to take the baton to be the leader for this team, the RBI producer, uh, whether it's at third or in the outfield. The guy's got a cannon, and he's a proven major league baseball player. As far as rookie man, right. rookie, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go with a pitcher. I'm gonna go with a pitcher. I feel like a pitcher is gonna make a huge impact. Uh, who can that guy be? Wow. It's a, it's a hard one, man, because there's so much pitching that 31 pitches to pick from. Um, let's see. Rookie pitcher. I'm just going to go out and go with Mr. Sixto Sanchez, man. Sixto. Oh, you know what? No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to go out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scrap Sixto. Sixto, you're my guy and everything, and you're going to take – you're going to lead this whole rotation for years to come. I'm going to go Alex Bezia. Nice. Look. I'm all on board with Sixto. Uh, I'm the originator of the hashtag Noche de Sixto. No matter what anybody tells you. I no hashtag, hashtag Noche de Sixto. Yeah. Yeah, my guy Red did it first. first. <laughs> I was the first one. Anybody who tells you otherwise. Um, but I love your MVP. I agree. Um, I think Anderson finally, I think they're going to settle him in at third base. Um, with all the outfielders we have coming, like you said, I think we have 10. So I think they're just gonna they're gonna leave Anderson in there. I think they even listed him as an infielder, which is interesting. So um, I agree with that. I love it. And your pick. Tell me more about him, man. Uh, he's a relief pitcher, right? Yeah, Alex Vesia, man. This guy has come on out of nowhere, bro. He's taking the league by storm. Like he's came in and he's just throwing shutout innings after shutout innings after shutout innings. Like this lefty kid. I don't know where he came from, but thank the sweet. 
baby baseball gods that we got him, bro. Because this guy, like, he's one of the guys that I was I was scared that he was going to be left off the 60-man roster, you know, because he, he, he was showing glimpses during spring training. Unfortunately, the COVID hit, but luckily for him, he wasn't one of the players affected. One of the one of the players that was affected, a uh, position player who really caught my attention in spring training this year was Christian Lopez. A guy was an infield infielder who came in and he was just tearing it up. He was hitting balls left and right all over the field, spraying everything. And I was like, wow, this guy's got an outside shot to really make the ball club. Unfortunately, you know, COVID struck, and like many other players like him, it's it's affected him. And um, I'm just glad that Alex is is part of this 60 man pool. And I know that he's going to be part of this opening day roster. Like, I just know it. He's a lefty, right? Yeah, he's a left-handed pitcher. And it's, it's a left-handed pitcher that's just – he's got good command. He's got good stuff. And he just knows how to get outs. He, he, he relies on his stuff. He knows he's got good defense behind him. Um, you know, I listen to every Marlins podcast. And a lot of the guys are saying, oh, expect the Marlins to use a ton of relievers. And that's why they added so many to the roster. But my view on that, if this, if we get to the point where we're using a ton of different relievers, something went terribly wrong and we're not going to be winning games. You know, if you have turnaround at your, the relievers and it's, and you're changing guys weekly because you can't figure it out. We are not winning ball games at that point. Cause there's a reason you're doing the change. Um, and with that, before we flip it on to the next uh, topic here, a rule that I read that I found interesting is that if a player is on the 40-man roster, he can be removed from the 60, but he'd have to go through waivers. So the Martins have 20 of their 30 prospects on the roster. So we got to be careful here, man. We can't be letting these guys get exposed either. So it's interesting what we're going to do when it comes to cut downs and slimming down this roster. I think that's something we need to touch on a little bit. So well, let me get this right. You're saying that the players on the 60, 60 pool, 60 player pool have to go through waivers if they're getting let go from the 40 man roster. Can you run that back for me one more time? The rule says if a player is on the 40 man, he can be removed from the 60. So I'm guessing he could be basically removed from the whole roster. But he'll have to run through waivers. He'll have to run if he's not waivers. on the forty man. If he's not on the forty man, when it slims down, he can't be removed from the sixty unless he's released completely. So once we get to forty, those forty are pretty much those are the guys that if you, I mean, that's the long haul. You you release any of those guys or remove them for any reason but COVID, unless I'm reading this completely wrong, you can't you can't remove them from the roster. From the 60, I mean, you get what I'm saying? This was all tweeted by, I'm going to butcher his name here, but Levi or Levy Weaver, he's worked for the Athletic and covers the Texas Rangers. He's the one that broke this down for me, and that's who I'm basically reading the rules from. So you can check him out on Twitter um, and read it for yourself. Try to understand it yourself. Guys, this is going to be tricky. All these rules, this is new to everybody. I don't even think the teams are 100% on that, and I think we all, we all just got to go with it. We got to go with the flow, am I right? Yeah, that's funny that you say that because going back real quickly to the to the extra innings and the runner on second base, the rules say that if for some reason there's a mix-up and the guy that ended the, the last inning that's supposed to start off the extra inning on second base, 
if they somehow put somebody else there that wasn't supposed to be there, let's say the number three hitter has to be on second base and they put the number two hitter instead of the number three hitter on second base, right? The guy scores and then if the manager says, hey, look, there was a the wrong guy, the wrong guy scored, what would normally happen, Red? The runner would be out. Yeah. I mean, well, from what I'm reading, <laughs> from what I'm reading, it's saying that that rule won't be enforced. So I don't know if I read that wrong as well, but what I'm thinking is maybe that Marlins log is getting to me. But uh, <laughs> what I was getting at is that. By the way, make sure you jump on that. Yeah, go get that Marlins log. Man, South Florida, hop on it. I'm an IPA type of guy, but it'll make you feel nice and refreshed, especially during these yeah, hot summer times. Keep it skiing, brewery. It's awesome. I already had like four between the last two days. Um, it's a good summer beer. It's a perfect baseball beer, I think. Um, and with that, we'll jump onto the next topic here. Brother, you're the general manager for a day. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Tell me what you're going to do for the Marlins, man. You're Michael Hill. Let me know. All right, first off, I guess you're, you're the general manager and the coach on this one. What are we doing at first base this year, man? We have a log jam there. What do you think? All right, man. First base, we got Gary Cooper. Jesus Aguilar, Luis Diaz. Luis Diaz is a prospect up and coming. We traded for this guy, and this guy needs opportunities to shine. All right? Yes, we need uh, Aguilar and Cooper to turn it up on the DH, the DH and the first base. I think you can have Cooper at, at, in the outfield, maybe in right field, Aguilar at first base. Uh, you can have Lewin at DH or vice versa. You'll be swapping those guys in and out. But I think really if you're swapping anybody between DH is really Aguilar and Cooper because the Marlins want that defense from Lewin Diaz as much as possible. Lewin's got a great glove. And we got to get him as much time, as much exposure on the field as possible. It's going to help him develop. It's going to help his process. What'd you say? He's a lefty. Lefty, sweet swinging lefty. So he's going to bring that, that another another side to the plate. He's going to help the dynamic of the bullpen. Or I'm sorry, the dynamic of the lineup. And I really like this guy because. Contrary to Aguilar and Gary Cooper, who are solid power guys, this guy's a power guy too, but he's from the left side. He's a sweet swinging lefty. And as soon as he got traded to the Marlins organization, he was tearing it up in the minors. So I really can't wait to see this guy really start developing in the Major League Baseball level. Yeah, and I can see a situation where you basically platoon him to start, maybe with Aguilar, maybe with Cooper. Um, yeah, I'm going to – I'm gonna. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I would actually – I'm always going to have – I'll have Lewin always on the field. Let him field it. Why would I risk having Aguilar on first base, you know, when I got a young, super athletic, slick fielding first baseman, you know? Aguilar's great. He's got good pop. Aguilar's a guy that, unfortunately, he he didn't he had a, a, a off-season, uh, off-year last year. But if it weren't for COVID-19, this guy was ready to take this whole National League East by storm this year. I know that Jesus Aguilar is ready to come here and demonstrate the power that he has. And I know that playing in South Florida is going to really juice him up, gas him up, and get him excited to be playing in front of a bunch of Venezuelans and Latin communities. So I feel like uh, Michael Hill, hey, get Gary Cooper, get Jesus Aguilar as many bats as possible. And if we can make something happen by August 31st and we can trade him, let's do it, man. Luis Diaz, that's the first baseman of the future, the first baseman of the now. All right, so we have Luis at first, Cooper in right, and now we have Aguilar DHing. 
which throws perfectly into our second question, brother. What are we doing with this crowded outfield? It is. Oh. I look at it every day, and I'm. I don't know. And this crowded outfield, I think the the best way to look at it is these outfielders that are going to stay on the on the twenty five. I'm sorry, twenty five. That doesn't exist. Anymore. 26, 28, or 30 man roster. It's going to be guys that are versatile, that are going to be able to play different spots. It can't just be a guy, oh, he only plays a corner outfield spot. No. Gary Cooper is noted as an outfielder, but he's a guy who can play outfield and first base. Uh, JJ Blade, he's going to be in the outfield. He can play both corner spots. He, he might be experimented at first base. Uh, Corey Dickerson's another guy who can play all, all the outfield spots. Gerard Encarnacion is another guy. Who can play all the outfield spots? Harris, Monte Harrison, Matt Joyce, Harold Ramirez, Jesus Sanchez. I mean, these are a bunch of guys that it's like, wow, man, who do we really want to give the opportunity to? So I think off the rip, the Marlins got to try to give the vets uh, as much exposure as possible to try to see Matt Joyce. Hey, is anybody calling for a Matt Joyce? Is anybody calling for a Harold Ramirez? Maybe somebody's interested in Lewis. Um, but we really got to focus on what's going to help this ball club to win as many games as possible this year. So Gary Cooper, he's a stamp because he's going to help the team play first or outfield. Uh, the same thing can be said for Brian Anderson. He's an infielder who could play third, second, or the outfield. I think second base is a thing of the past because we got Isan as a stamp there. But, man, if you're not a guy that can play various positions, uh, you're not – uh, a guy that can cover all the fields, left, center, and right, then I don't think you're going to make this ball club. But, hey. Well, that transitions perfectly into question number three. Uh, who's your big surprise cut once the roster starts to get trimmed? Mine, and this is a hot take, and uh, you do with it what you guys want, but I don't see a situation whereby two, three weeks into the season where Matt Joyce, Aguiar, and Dickerson, maybe Dickerson, I'll remove Dickerson, where Matt Joyce and Aguiar are both still on the team. Um, the reason for that is all the names you just said, Lou, uh, Diaz coming in hot at first base, Gerard Encarnacion, he might be, if this DH thing sticks, he might be our DH for a while. Um, I'd rather see him get at bats than Aguiar. I get it, guys. I get the trade value, but we're not, you can't think of a regular season. This is not going to be a regular uh trade deadline. Um, I would love to see Aguiar come out and rake, and I hope I'm proven wrong, but I just, I can't envision a situation where we go the whole season with Matt Joyce and Aguiar on the team, and we don't give at-bats to these young guys. I just don't see it. Tell me what you think, and also tell me, what's your surprise trade? If there's any trade, what do you think it is? Oof. If there's a surprise trade, who do I think it is? Oh, man. This will be a tough one. Uh, surprise trade, man. Well, the Marlins, if they got something to trade that's going to have any value, you got to go into their pitching. Because pitching wins championships. And if I'm going to get anything worth a haul to help this ball club, I'm either looking into trading a Sandy Alcantara or I'm trading a Caleb Smith. You know, as much as everybody wants to trade away Jose Ureña, yeah, you can trade away Jose Ureña. He might be able to flip you a couple of good prospects. But if you want some impact, then you got to go heavy. You got to go. You got to give something to get something. You know what I'm saying? That was the case with Zach Gallon. We had to give right. away a Zach Gallon to get a Jazz Chisholm. So I didn't um, even think about the pitchers, to be honest with you. But since you win pitchers, and I actually like that, I, I think Caleb and Sandy would, would get a haul. I, that's the only situation where I could really see somebody giving up a top 10, top 15 prospect for them. 
But like you said, man, it's going to be a one-on-one or a one-for-two, maybe, you know, a top 15, and then a guy we've never heard of. I don't see a situation where the a team is giving up, you know, like they're three and 15 and 28, you know, for Sandy. I just – I can't envision that. But uh, just, a, you know, just a little banter here. I'll go with the position player. I already said it earlier. My trade in August will be Miguel Rojas. It's time to make room in the infield for these guys. Um, I could see one of our outfielders getting traded too, but just for the stay with Rojas here, the guy is everything you want in a teammate. He's a captain, you know. He's he's consistent. Um, you know what you're going to get with him every day. He's safe. He's a safe guy. He's a he's a guy that, that, that he's a feel good story. He came over from the Dodgers. Had very few yeah. at bats. Like he was a liability batting. If you could compare him to anybody, like you, you shouldn't really compare. But if you want to talk about a shortstop in the past that was low key a liability for the Marlins batting was Daniel Echeverria. He was awesome with the glove, right? But you always wanted an etch. He used to have little flashes of batting great, but then he couldn't just have it all click together. Miguel Rojas is starting to figure it out. He's starting to figure it out all at the major league level. Like I love how he he essentially took over. The Martin Prado role, like he turned into Martin Prado 2.0, right? And he got and, uh, better in the pros. He, he got way better, man. And like, you know what I love about Miguel Rojas is his professionalism, bro. Wherever they told the guy to go and play, he would go play. Like there would be times that you would see him at second, short, third. You would see him at first base. Be like, yo, what the hell is Miguel Rojas doing at first base? But he would pick the ball and he would save the outfielder. Or, I'm sorry, the infielder for making a bad throw. He'd make a nice scoop, and it was just like, wow, bro, this guy is ready to play wherever you need it. And he was the definition of a utility player. I bet if you tell Miggy Rowe, yo, Miggy Rowe, can you can you put on the catcher's gear, bro? I need you to do it like the last two innings, man. I'll well, follow not feeling too good. He is the emergency backup catcher, I think. I think he is that third or fourth guy when – I think there was a time last year when everybody had a concussion that he was the third catcher. He was He was ready. And I love him for that. And I think he's a great guy. I love his story. I love everything he stands for. He's a family man. But that's what I'm saying. He's a safe trade. You know what you're going to get. You know the he's not going to bring problems. And he probably won't require a top 20 top, you know, top prospect. Um, so I could see that. That's interesting. Guys, we have two more segments. Um, this one's a rapid fire. I'm going to ask you the questions. I'll respond to this or that. This or that? Who you who you inviting to the barbecue? Marlins man or David Sampson? Oh hell no! I'm not inviting Marlins man. David Sampson was good. Tell me some stories about AJ Burnett getting a tattoo on his neck, not being able to pitch. I want to hear more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm with you. I picked David Sampson too. Uh, I just want. I, I wish we could. I have so many questions. Next, you're drinking beer or white claws at the barbecue? Oh, I got the Marlins lager on deck, baby. Yeah. Same here. I'm already drinking it. Might as well stick to it. All right, this one's going to be a little interesting. I'm excited for this one. The home, the former home run sculpture, Homer, or the old logo? Hey, I thought the home run sculpture wasn't called Homer. I thought it was called the Tremenda Mierda sign. That's what they put it on the, <laughs> the, the Miami New Times. <laughs> we did vote. We did vote. <laughs> That's copyright. Uh, copyright. I'm going, I'm going old logo, baby. There's nothing like the original what made me fall in love with this franchise? Let's go, Florida Marlins, all the way. I agree. Here's a controversial one: chicken wings or boneless wings? 
I'm going. Is oh, it's Wednesday. Oh my goodness, it's Wednesday. Wing it Wednesday. Wing it Wednesday. Flanagan's Pablo Lopez favorite spot. <laughs> nice shot. Nice tag him. Tag him. Yeah, I'm going. Uh, I'm gonna go chicken wings. I used to do the boneless thing until I grew up and I realized those are just chicken nuggets with sauce on them. So, chicken wings all day. All right, this is a good one. Spring training game or minor league game? Oof. I'm going. Uh, I'm going spring training, man, because you're gonna be able to see major league ball players and all everybody all in the same spot at one time. Yeah, I'm going to go minor league. Um, I've been to a couple of Jupiter Hammerhead games, and let me tell you, the biggest takeaway me and my wife, who's a, another huge baseball fan, have is the authenticity of the game, bro. It's so simple. It's just guys trying to make it, and I loved it. She loves it, so I'm going minor league. All right, bro. Pro player stadium or Joe Lobby stadium? Pro player all the way. The house of the, the they they built pro player for the Dolphins, but it's the house the Marlins built. Two chips, baby. Absolutely. Two. Count them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Ninth, ninth inning, you need to save. AJ Ramos or Heath Bell? Oh gosh, why would you do that to me, man? Oh my god. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Headache Ramos. Yeah, Headache Ramos, baby. He had to get one or two. Two base runners. He had to get a punch to the face before he would get a ground ball double play to end the game. But he, oh, you, know, you know, he's gonna load the bases. You know, he's gonna load the bases. Load the bases. Yo, he was gonna give a dancing Tony a heart attack, man. Section thirty-one, dancing Tony. He was like, oh, "Mattingly, what are you doing? You're gonna kill me. Take out Ramos." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ramos. He's actually trying to make it back, and all power to him, man. But man, that guy had. Miami's blood pressure at the maximum for a while there. I'm telling you, uh, you had to take a couple ad bills before he had to go in. Jeffrey, who's your owner? Jeffrey Loria or Wayne Hazinga? Oh, my. I'm going with Wayne, man. Wayne! Yo, Wayne! Mr. H! Yeah, I'm going to go with him, too, man. He, What he did at the end of the day for South Florida sports is uh, definitely uncomparable to what Loria did to the Marlins and rest in peace. Loria who, uh, he who cannot be named. He who cannot be named. He's like uh, Baltimore. Final, <laughs> final this or that question. You have to pick one team to go to the championship with, win it all. You're going with the 97 Marlins or the 03 Marlins? 03 all the way, baby. Miguel Cabrera, Ifan, Rodriguez, Josh Beckett, Oogie Orbina, Louis Castillo, Juan Pierre, Derek Lee, Mike Lowe, Alex Gonzalez. Come on, man. Mr. Conai, Mr. Marlin. Come on, man. Jack McKeon. Uh, Mr. Marlin, no. Mr. Marlin was on both. <laughs> yeah, he was He was on both. He was on both. Don't get it twisted. Mr. Marlin is the original Marlin. Yeah. He's the he's a great. We all. Mr. Hey, Mr. Jeter, Mr. Sherman, I know you guys are going to be hearing this. Can we consider maybe like a Mr. Marlin statue or plaque at Marlins Park? Jeff Conrad oh, means a lot to this franchise. You just triggered me, brother. That's don't get me started on on all those statues and stuff because we this we could talk about this in another episode, but we as a fan base have been robbed of that memorabilia, that history, and we'll we'll talk about it another episode. We'll save it. We'll save it. Um, I'll go with 03 too, mainly because that's when I fell in love with the game. You know, what's funny is baseball in 03 is when I started paying attention because my grandfather would 
watch the games on TV, mute it, and then have his little radio in Spanish. So in 03, the radio comes in before the TV. So yeah. the signal. So we so we were celebrating like two minutes before Josh Beckett threw that pitch to end it. So uh definitely 03. And, definitely. and guys, that concludes that concludes this or that. And the final topic uh before we wrap this up for our fantasy uh players, fantasy guys out there. Um we're gonna try to do this a little bit every episode just to give you guys a little taste. A little help, maybe some help on those uh, lineups. Um, but for now, I'm going to say what the great Matthew Berry said is look for value when drafting. A lot of players get casted off in drafts due to the team they play on. Obviously, there's some exceptions. You know, the stars on the bad teams are still going to get picked. But look for the guys that get casted off. And here's a perfect example. Player A had a 273 average. 111 runs driven in, 24 home runs, 73 RBIs, and 40 stolen bases. Player B had 298 average, 96 runs, 20 home runs, 57 RBIs, and 35 stolen bases. So player B lost every category except batting average. And if you play in categories, you know, you just lost uh, because if you have player B over player A. Now, player B was drafted 25th overall. That's, you know, that's second round, third round. Player A was drafted 110th, even though he just won every category. Player A is Jonathan Villar. He's on the Marlins. He's going to drop. Player B is Trey Turner. You know, he's going to get picked early. So, guys, find value, and you'll be all right. We'll do this a little more. We'll give a little more tips as the season goes on. And next week, I have a feeling we're going to do a little rivalry week, I think. We're going to talk about the other teams in the division who we're playing, stuff like that. Um, thank you guys for joining us on the first ever Marlins Barbecue. I hope you guys had a good time. We had a good time. And we'll see you hopefully next week. God bless. Be safe in these times. Wear your mask. And uh, anything you want to say, brother? Hey, man. Thank you guys for staying in and listening to us. Hope you enjoyed your Marlins Lager on this Marlins Barbecue. And uh, for more information on how to follow us, follow us on Twitter, at the Real Acon, if you on TikTok. Go at Talk Baseball for some great Marlins feel-good moments. And uh, follow my guy, Red, Red Garcia, on Twitter as well. This is Marlins Barbecue. This is Alex Contreras signing out. Red Garcia. We'll see you next time. No